Welcome to our continued studies in the Gospel of Mark. We are in chapter 16, the final chapter in this episode. I'll read through the chapter with brief comments, and then at the end of the read-through, I'll have additional observations about Mark chapter 16. Now, my approach this time will be to read through all 20 verses, but first, just one preliminary about this section. In the King James Version, 20 verses, straight through. In some later editions, a notation that some translators were concerned about omission in some early manuscripts, about verses 9 through 20. So, in the New American Standard, latest edition, 20 verses with 9 through 20 in brackets. In the NIV, the New International Version, if verses 9 through 20 are present, there is a notation, and the notation will say something like, the earliest manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses do not have verses 9 through 20. The ESV that I use, verses 9 and 20 are there with the notation about some early manuscripts not including these verses. What I'm talking about may or may not appear at all in digital versions on your computer, your laptop, your iPad, or on your phone. I just wanted to bring that up briefly before my read-through I'll be reading all 20 verses now, and one of my comments later will address the alleged omission. Are you ready? Mark 16, 1 through 20. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, and they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive 
and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things, he appeared to in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest, and they did not believe them. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Now let's go back to the start of Mark chapter 16. In terms of time, we are early on the first day of the week. That's what the record says here. As these women approached the tomb where Jesus was buried, their concern was how they would move that huge stone. Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. Now pause long enough to imagine their emotional reaction. They entered the tomb, and Mark says they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. They were comforted, though, by these words. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Jesus arose early on the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene told those who had been with him, and while they were emotional, verse 11 says, they would not believe it. Jesus appeared to two disciples as they were walking into the country, and they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. More about that in a few minutes and other appearances. Then Jesus appeared to the eleven. He rebuked them for their unbelief and gave them their work assignment after that rebuke, their charge, the Great Commission. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Jesus spoke of signs that would be a part of their work, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them 
and confirm the message by those signs. That's Mark 16, 1 through 20. Let me go back and make some observations about some of what we have studied. So let me address the manuscript variation. And should you want more information about this, let me know and I'll supply additional comments. With committee-based translations, there is a process. Translating from Greek into English. Translators do not work with original autographed documents, but with copies, multiple copies, and they compare those copies. Sometimes there will be a variation in that comparison process, and the translators on the committee will either make a notation in their final published draft or in a few cases, they will leave the passage out or put that passage in a footnote or notate it otherwise. As I mentioned earlier, as some of you can read in your Bibles, it says that some early manuscripts did not have verses 9 through 20. That's an editorial remark. And that's why you either see a notation about that or the verses are not there with an explanation. Now, I need to make this very clear. I'm not a translation scholar, but my conclusion is that this passage is authentic. One, there is nothing here in conflict with anything else in the New Testament. Two, if this were omitted, everything in verses 9 through 20 is found elsewhere in the New Testament, maybe with the exception of that one phrase about drinking deadly poison. Number three, the sudden stop at verse eight seems to me to be abrupt. I realize that is subjective, and I tell you again that I can't give you a scholar's answer, just a student's answer. My conclusion is that verses nine through 20 should be included in our study. Some of us at Laurel Heights use the daily Bible for our daily reading, and it has this notation, the most reliable early manuscripts and other ancient witnesses do not have Mark 16, 9 through 20. All right. Based on my assumption about the authenticity of the entire chapter, there is another issue that sometimes comes up. I want to talk to you about that just a moment. You may have heard this, or it could be you've never heard this particular argument. Here's the way the issue is stated. Somebody will say that the argument is that in Matthew 12, 40, it says that Jesus was in the tomb three days and three nights. But Matthew 28, 1, Mark 16, 2, Luke 24, 1, and John 20, verse 1, say that Jesus was in the tomb for less than three days and three nights. I'm stating the argument or the issue. I'm about now to give you an explanation. And there's a very simple one. The way Jewish people reckoned time is not the same as the way we reckon time. 
In Jewish time reckoning, a part of a day was counted as a day and a night. Now, we don't think that way, but the Jews did. A part of a day was counted as a day and a night. I'll give you one example. There may be many others. In Esther chapter 4 and verse 16, we find Esther exhorting Mordecai to persuade the Jews to fast, neither eat nor drink for three days, night and day. That's the way it reads in the New King James. This was clearly in preparation for her highly risky attempt to see the king. Yet just two verses later, in Esther chapter 5 and verse 1, we read, Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace. If three days and nights were counted in the same way as we count them, then Esther could not have seen the king until the fourth day. And that is completely analogous to the situation with Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. It has to do with how the Jewish people reckoned time. And so you have the crucifixion on Friday you have the Sabbath day with Jesus in the tomb, and you have the resurrection on the first day of the week in the morning, and Jews would call this three days and three nights. So those two issues aside, this record of the resurrection of Christ always brings to mind the reality of this huge stone. An empty tomb always raises the question, who moved the stone? Where is the body? If, as some skeptics would argue, the Roman soldiers moved the stone and stole the body for some reason in spite of guards, that would just introduce the question, where was the body? Where is the body? The Jews who crucified Christ would have certainly raised that question, and they would have pursued an investigation. Now, in what I'm saying, I realize I'm talking to believers. But you may have opportunity to respond to skeptics and unbelievers who rolled away the stone. And where is the body? Good questions with historical truth affording us good answers. Jesus arose from the dead. That's the historical evidence. About these two disciples in verses 12 and 13, there's a fuller account in Mark, I'm sorry, in Luke 24, 13 through 35. Because of other matters I want to cover, we're not going to go over to that, but you can mark down Luke 24, 13 to 35 if you want to pursue that other reference. Now let's talk about a very important statement here in verse 16. Whosoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whosoever does not believe will be condemned. Over the years, among our denominational friends, 
much controversy has been introduced about Mark 16, 16. And I have a chart here I prepared. Mark 16, 16 has this introductory phrase, he who. So let us look at other passages where that phrase is also used and see what our conclusion is. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 26, he who overcomes and keeps my works will be empowered. In John 14, 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them will have fellowship with me. Now you got the same structure, Mark 16, 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. So just as the one who overcomes must also keep my works, and the one who has his commandments must keep them, the one who believes must be baptized. Three words are at the heart of our faith and this chapter. He is risen. Our Lord's cross is the gateway into his life, spiritual life, and his resurrection means that he has power now to convey spiritual life to me as I respond to his word. When I obey the gospel, I'm raised to walk in newness of life. That's our study of Mark 16, and that's our study of Mark. On my YouTube channel here, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Thank you.